Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, uh, I'm so excited to sit down and talk with my friend, James Adamson. Uh, I met James last year while uh, we were planning out the pre-production stuff for the Desert Rats film uh, that we went and shot this summer. Uh, Basically, kind of by complete chance, uh, I was interviewing Kate Boyle, for the podcast. You should totally check out that episode. Kate is an incredible mountain biker. Um, she set the FKT on the Cocopelli Trail. Uh, you can actually check out a film about that right now. Uh, I just linked it on our Facebook page, but it's called Fastest for Now. Um, and it's about these three mountain bikers who go out and try to set the fastest known time on the Cocopelli Trail. Um, anyways, while I was interviewing Kate, she mentioned that uh, they were shooting a documentary about it. And I was like, whoa, we want to shoot a documentary about the Coca Belly Trail. Uh, and she sent me James's contact info. And I'm so excited. Like, honestly, like one of the greatest things, this is like the thing that's awesome about just pursuing your passion. Like, based on just pursuing this podcast and really like trying to talk to interesting folks I've been able to be introduced to all these incredible people who I really really look up to and I think it became pretty evident throughout the week of filmmaking that we that we were out there shooting in the desert for our film uh, I think it became pretty evident like I really look up to James Um, he's not only just super wise (laughs) and really thoughtful and introspective um, which you'll hear in this podcast he's also just super kind and really funny and you know a professional in what he does which is storytelling and filmmaking and adventure and you know he's done all sorts of things in his life and you know we we didn't get into some of those stories so we're definitely gonna have james back on i hope um like he's been an athlete he's been a traveler uh you know he's been an entrepreneur he's been a filmmaker he's been a storyteller like he's done all of these sort of things and it just makes for a really interesting human being to sit down and talk to and to sit down and and get to know, um, which is so cool. And I think that's one of the things like when people are encouraging others, like go out there, like go out there and experience the world because it's going to give you this new perspective. It's going to give you this new viewpoint that you didn't have before, which is obviously because you've been out there and you've had experiences that you wouldn't have had, had you not kind of stepped outside your comfort zone. And talking to James or or folks who have kind of pursued their passions, like that's so obvious. It's so apparent uh, how much that has enriched their lives, how much adventure and how much just going out there and and chasing the dream has enriched their lives. So so I'm excited for this one. I hope you are too. Uh, James, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, dude. Uh, I cannot wait to sit down and chat with you again. Um, but let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 270 with James Adamson. 
All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm super excited. I have James Addis- Adamson on the podcast. And James, you're just amazing, dude. Like, you're, I, I think I, over uh, our project this summer, there was a certain point where we're in your van and I realized I had the hat and the hood up and you had the hat and hood up. And I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to be James right now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, welcome, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, we were just talking. You just had a film come out actually. And it's how I got connected with you um, from Kate Boyle. Like, do you just want to kind of like mention that super quick? Yeah, so... Um, the film is called Fastest for Now. Uh, it's out on Outside TV. It just came out. Um, it's available kind of on their site. It's about 20 minutes long. Um, and it's about Kate Boyle and Kurt uh, Remschneider. And they, um, you know, they last fall uh, during the pandemic, bike racing was pretty much shut down. And they wanted to go out and attempt the FKT. And they had been training uh, for this type of race for, you know, for a year and a half. And Kate specifically was kind of bouncing back from a major, major car accident and injury. And so it kind of chronicles the, the lead up to the race and the race itself. Um, and it's, it's just kind of a perspective, racer's perspective um, and kind of set in obviously on the Cocopelli trail where the KF, uh, FKT took place. And, it was just a cool opportunity to kind of interface with athletes of that level because, you know, they're so humble. And so you, you, <laughs> it's so funny. Cause you like, you're, you're hanging out with them and you're, and you're like, yeah, you know, like we're all hanging and then they get out there and they just hammer for like 10 hours, 11, <laughs> 12 hours, like, fa- like as fast as I can ride a bike. Right. They're going that fast for 10, 11, 12 hours, 13 <laughs> hours. And, um, and yeah, and I'm, I'm like kind of jumping to different spots on the trail, trying to just capture little clips of them. And there's like flying by. And in my mind, I guess I didn't really picture it like that. I really pictured it kind of like they're just struggling. Like, cause obviously I was kind of thinking it would be like me where I'd just be like, oh man, this is really steep hill. And I've already done 10,000 feet of climbing, you know, like in my mind, but they're just like not even affected, you know? And I think <laughs> that's like, um, you know, I, I just think it's, it's amazing. And they get to the finish line and they're like, wow, that was hard. And I'm like, if I got to the finish line, I'd be like, yeah. I heard about and, and, this. And I would just like fall over, you know? So well, I it, heard about this one time. Uh, it's like an interview with Wayne Gretzky. And it was mm-hmm. before he won any Stanley Cup. He was like a youngin, right? And they mm-hmm. had just lost in like, the finals i'm probably messing this whole thing up but this mm-hmm. is what i heard they lost at like game seven of the finals and he walked by the other team's locker room and he was expecting that he was expecting like celebration people going crazy all this stuff and then he looked in and he just saw people like head and hands like trying to catch their breath like they're just <laughs> destroyed and he realized oh that's what it takes it takes that kind of fully like just giving it absolutely your all to like win one of these things which is funny yeah yeah and that's like it's like yeah I think I think the depth of exertion yeah I you know I feel like the those rides like if you go there you kind of if you're in this ride for and this kind of leads on to what we were filming um in the desert but you know 
when you get into this space of like the 10 hour or these all day pushes or things like that, it's like an odyssey yeah. of your mind. You know, you kind of go, you kind of strip off all these layers and you just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you find like that, like ground truth of kind of like the existence because you're not, you're just so open. And then you kind of like, you either, yeah, you, and then you come out of that somehow, you know, you come out and then you're at the finish line or like me, I don't know what pulls you out of it, but you're kind of like an endurance athletes experience that a lot, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think that it actually changes your brain from what I understand and actually like adjusts the way that you think about the world gives you a deeper perspective in some ways. I mean, I think it's, it's like a lot like hallucinogenics, right? It's just kind of like that same type of, cause you're just breathing and you're it's like a meditation and you're moving through it and it's just really really powerful yeah um, it's it's weird man it's hard to describe like you get a couple hours into a run or a bike ride or something and you stop having things to think about you're like i already thought about everything i can think of you know <laughs> you're just like there's nothing more to think of i don't know what to tell you maybe that's just me because my brain's like Homer Simpson's just like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, uh, yeah, I think I, I probably could think about things, but I just kind of get, I'm just like, I don't have enough energy for that. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to like start writing like a dissertation on, on something that I kind of know a little about. Um, yeah. I'm just going to keep going. And, and I think that it's like, you know, I think that, you know, some of these things too, like it's rare that I find if I, if I'm engaged in something like this, like an activity of this like stature or majesty that I, that I lose track of like why I'm doing it because all of a sudden it just becomes like that journey. Cause like, he, I, I think about this, you know, maybe it's not like Kate's out there thinking about, you know, when she's just grinding for this long, she's not like, I'm going to set a record on the FKT at some point. It's like way deeper than that. Yeah. Um, and you're drawing on something that's just like way more. And that's like, you know, I put that down. It's like, you're a mountain bike athlete. Like that's when, you know, cause it's not about like these other extraneous things. It just comes down to like, you're just there putting the pedal down and like, that's it. And like, yeah. that's when you know, you're dialed. Like that's when you know, you're in the right place. You know, like when you're running these races, you're like, just pinning it. And then after a while, you're like, I'm just a runner. Yeah. You know, you're not anything. You're not like, I'm like the champion of this, you know, hundred mile race. You know, you're just a runner. Dude, you know, it, it takes cool. all your definitions of yourself out and it throws them out the window. If yeah. you really get to that point that you're talking about, that's what happens. Yeah. You're just like, yeah. you kind of forget everything else. And you're like, this is the only place that exists right now for me. <laughs> either good or bad <laughs> and yeah and i think you know I, I was i was kind of thinking back on on our work together and kind of like you know you can get that way with not only endurance things you can you can become you can get to that higher kind of like vibration um in with creative things too you know yeah. with, with other things with music people are you know so committed and so just in that zone that, um, that they just break free of all that stuff. And that's, that's just real living, you know, and that's just like, that's real living. That's when it's the best to <laughs> do. Okay. So I do, I wanted to ask you about that. We, I just remember at one point, I think it was as the week progressed, it was towards the end of the week. And I think I just turned to you and I was like, man, this is, it's hard to describe. I've never done anything so collaborative 
um, in creativity. Like, I feel like I've done collaboration. Like I've worked with people my whole life on many different things and many different projects, but this like working on a creative project like this, it just was different. The collaboration was a lot deeper and it just fascinated me. Like, and I don't know, can you kind of like a lot, cause you've done a whole bunch of projects like this. We didn't even really properly introduce you. You're, you're like, you've have like years and years and years of filmmaking and, you know, being a director of photography, uh, cinematographer, all that stuff. Like, can you kind of describe that though? Like, what is, why is that collaboration so meaningful? Yeah. Yeah. Let me just back up. So, so, uh, we kind of, to preface this, we were in the desert shooting, uh, with Gemini adventures, um, on the Cocapelli kind of stage race and you won the race. So you know all about it, but maybe yeah. everybody else doesn't. Not this time it, though. This time, it, I was yeah, this time I've you, talked to people and they're like, Oh, you're out there running too. I'm like, no, no, no. We were, we were out there as filmmakers. Documenting yeah, yeah. It. yeah. And it was hot and it was kind of like, it was, it's hard uh, to, really to say the least, it's really, really, really hard. And, um, and it's an experience and I didn't quite understand what we were getting into, although I've been in the trenches before, so I was prepared for anything and You've done all sorts of adventures. Yeah. All and, sorts yeah. of adventure stuff that you just kind of like pull at those, pull at those, like, um, pull at the depths of kind of like humanity, uh, or, you know, just like the human, spirit and 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 the human condition really because like people are out there they have their lives on the line you know or they've in in the way that like this everything that they've worked for has led to this moment yeah. and like this is all that they have all of a sudden and everything else like we were talking about melts away and you're just like this is me i'm fully exposed yeah and i've been i as as is like an adventure filmmaker and photographer i've, I've been to those places um, with people and it's always like this super powerful experience for me especially if I can capture it if I'm in this um, in a state of mind and and I'm embedded with people right you you become uh, you you just you become part of the wind you know the wind that's kind of like passing through people because like people just are getting touched I've seen like man, I've seen some crazy stuff go down, um, all over the world. Like, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of work um, with Bandaloop. It's an aerial dance company. Um, and I was their director of photography for many years and, um, and still work with them, but, um, and we, we pushed, sorry, kind of the dog is barking, um, pushed into the, uh, we've pushed into kind of like the nether world of like what's possible, like possibly creative in a, in a creative art sense, um, yeah. cliffs. And, and I've just seen people you know, kind of at the edge of their comfort zone, you know, just, I gotta hear, I want to hear all about that too. Yeah. Like, holy, like, dude. Yeah. I mean, some, some, some really cool stuff. And, um, you know, obviously this is, this is some imagery, um, capturing and, and it's a little bit, it's, it's definitely visual for a podcast, but, um, I, I once had this experience. So we, we used to, um, actually hold on, hold on one second. Yeah, Sorry. no worries. Me, no worries. Remy, no. <laughs> I'm on a, I'm on a meeting. I'll be out. Thank you. 
sorry, the baby and the nanny and everything. Dude, no worries. Can I tell you one time? <laughs> You're uh, just getting into it too. So I one apologize. Time, one time I was the inter- I, I was talking to my cousin on here on the podcast. Yeah. And <laughs> I forgot his dog was named Bill Murray. Cause all of a sudden he's just like, Bill Murray, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, just along that train of thought, you know, one, one time we used to, uh, Kurt Gensheimer and I, um, and Justin Schwartz, we used to do these big rides. Um, and it was for this kind of project we were working on called the commute crew. And we were, um, trying to connect, uh, basically places of recreation with major cities, uh, via dirt infrastructure on mountain bikes. So we did a ride from Lake Tahoe to San Francisco and basically connected all dirt, um, over many days and just tried to like push through and make it. And, and I, at that time in my life, I really needed like a, I really needed to just be in the trenches. Like, I just felt like everything was too, just too easy. You know what I mean? Life was just like work and being at home and just like, lattes and you know what I mean it's just like too comfortable and I, I when I first uh proposed the idea to Kurt I said you know we'll just like we'll just ride our bikes until we like pass out and we'll just like put some leaves on the ground and we'll just like sleep and he's like uh why don't we just find people to stay with along the way and I was like yeah that's a good idea too I guess <laughs> so um so anyways we ended up kind of doing this thing we ended up calling it kind of like the Pony Express style where we would ride like 70, 80, 90 miles on our mountain bikes on trail. And then we would just pull up into the place that we had set and pass out and then get up in the morning and do it again. And we would just find these ways through anyways. So we did that ride and and it was a huge learning experience, both as a team and understanding what was humanly capable or what we were capable of. Um, And then we actually did Salt Lake to Moab. Um, and rode, you know, through the high mountains of the Wasatch and then dropped down in, into Moab and connected on. It was amazing. But yeah. this one day um, in the middle of the Wasatch, we rode like, I think almost 80 miles. It was like 78 miles. And it was like, you know, 20 something thousand feet of climbing. Um, and at one point, we're super tired and we get, we're on this ridge and there's a thunderstorm on the left-hand side and the sun is setting on the right. And it's just shining as the lightning striking. And it was just like, ah, and, and the thing about it is we were so, um, I, I don't want to say beat up, but just exposed. And all of us got to the end of the ride to where we were. And we were all just bawling. <laughs> we were all just like crying and like, we were like hugging each other. And we were just like, and it, it was, and it wasn't like we finished the ride or like we finished the, 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 like uh the adventure or anything like that yeah we all had this like crazy experience on that ridge and uh and it was so touching and and, you know we just got into this like into this super exposed place and um and that was one of my experiences with that and i was filming it so i was stopping and shooting photos and filming it along the way while we were riding and so i have these photos of 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 it happening to us um and it's just so powerful and it's really hard to kind of like explain on Instagram, like yeah. what, what that looks like or like what it feels like, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I've had some other experiences like that. And, and actually, you know, the, the race with desert rats, um, that we worked on together was very much like that as well. Um, and, and you could see it with Phil Pinty and, you know, you could just see 
you could see it happening to people and yeah. um and it was just super powerful and and i hope that we capture some of that in in the film and um and i know that we will capture some of it and and i think that people that have been in that place will really relate to it yeah i i was saying i was actually talking to film like the thing that's challenging like in the like the editing phase which you've done also um in the past like the thing that's challenging is like we have to somehow represent this experience and what it meant to us and we only have like an hour or whatever the time period you're shooting for and you're like whoa not only do we have to do that but we have to like get people to understand the people we met and that we really under like you know like phil like you got to get people to understand who he is in that short amount of yeah, time like that you have development yeah yeah but it's like we yeah. know him because we had this long experience with him and at a really deep level but it's like you got to make sure you do that too but yeah and it's really hard i think as a filmmaker it's really hard to capture that you know like it just slips through your fingers like sometimes it's just it can be really hard to kind of capture everything you want to say yeah and and that's been the case for millennia this is not something new. <laughs> it's like it, it's like trying to write about life yeah. is really hard like actually when you get down to it and that's why like kafka or other writers that have like created and woven these stories about the human the human you know condition it's like you're you're just it, it, it's like you only you have to create the story and then let people read into it from their perspective like you can't you can't actually say it it's yeah. not something you can say um and you can show people's emotion and you can you know you can show the the lightness or the suffering or whatever those things and you can contrast them the, together in that mosaic of like the darks and the lights and all the gradients in between like that's what life is right yeah and you do gotta you gotta just like put it up there but it's it's like it's the gradient that will show it you know and when so, yeah. yeah and people put their experiences and their perspective on it right like mm -hmm. i mean if you're watching something something that could really touch me at a deep level might not affect you at that same way you know because we have different background experiences right yeah exactly exactly but, but that's the thing dude that i didn't realize like the collaboration even in that sense like you're collaborating with a person on this like really weird deep level that i never thought of but i was thinking like you know, I, I went out, I had a vision as how I was seeing the race. You had your own, how you were seeing the race, the racers had their own. And now we're like meshing everything together. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it's just crazy, man. I just love it. I thought it was so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things about like being kind of like in this adventure filmmaking thing is that, um, I think people think it's like really glamorous and it's actually like pretty dirty work. It's like, <laughs> it, it's pretty trying. Like, you know, I, I, <laughs> you know, they don't, yeah. It's like the, you know, you're traveling in a foreign country. You can't eat the food. You're it's super hot. You've only slept three hours. You're still jet lagged. You're trying to make it happen. And you're hanging from like, you know, a cliff and a harness and you're like, and you're going to crap your pants because you ate some bad food and you got to like run down the hill to like whatever bathroom hole there is. And then, <laughs> and then you got to come back and do 
do it again, you know, and climb up the wall and do it again, you know, like, and, and I've actually been in that situation and, um, you know, there are, there are so many ways to like, the main thing is, is that all of a sudden you're just, you become fully committed to it. And filmmaking is this, it's just, it's like building a house, man. It's like building, it's like building a building in the middle of the desert. Like you're out there just working like anything else, pounding nails and doing the thing. Cause it's just, you're just shooting. Yeah. And, and the more you get, the better the house is. You yeah. Know, the more, the more, the more you can capture, the more, actually, I would say not, not, the, not, it's not necessarily the more that you capture, it's the more quality that you, that you capture, the harder you work to clean, to, to get clear perspectives on what's happening. Um, yeah. I think it was great. It was great having all your, all of our, dis in this particular case, it was awesome because you have your own way of like working and talking to people and, and running with people and they, and you have this interpersonal relationship with some of the runners and you were able to kind of capture this thing that I would never be able to capture. And, and that same thing was happening kind of on my end. I was, I was thinking more about the entirety of the film and how to put it all together. And then we had uh, Paul and, and we had some other like amazing help on it and, and everybody's gap capturing like how they see it. Yeah. And, and luckily, lucky for us is we, we, we had a way to meld it all together and to weave it together. And I think that's going to be really powerful. Yeah. Um, it, and, you know, and we were just a small team too. I mean, I think, I think if it was a bigger team, like maybe we wouldn't have been felt like we were in the trenches, you know, we wouldn't have been so connected with, with what was happening on the ground. And it, and if we were a smaller team, we would have missed, we yeah. would have missed some critical moments um, yeah. that, with Jason and some other, you know, some other people that are kind of like central to the film and the arc of the story. Yeah. So I think, you know, I really think that, um, that we, we definitely did the best job that we could do, but I definitely think like, we'll, we'll see. And I, I'm really excited to see how you guys meld it all together. Cause that's going to be pretty amazing. Dude, it'll be cool, man. I'm glad it wasn't just me like being dehydrated, being like, whoa, creativity. <laughs> creativity, <laughs> bro. Out. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been that too. Sleep deprived. No, I mean, it, but hey, you know, it's an experience. I mean, maybe like, <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's not not everything wins, you know. Like you not everybody gets a trophy, you know what I mean? And that's okay. Yeah. Um that's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I want to hear about like you just getting into this. Like what what made you chase this career and specifically like what made you like meld it with the idea of adventure and like you said you're like you're like out there rappelling down like skyscrapers and stuff and like it's mind-blowing to me <laughs> uh yeah so what um so uh, oh, wow yeah it's been a like a lifelong process i think um one of the, I guess where it really started, um, man, where it really started. I, I grew up with a dark room in our house and, um, my uncle, um, who taught me pretty much everything I know about photography, um, at a young age, he had Photoshop. He had like one of the early versions. This is like the early nineties. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, we had Photoshop in the house and um, we had, you know, we had a dark room and we had cameras and, and, um, 
I started learning just, just like what a good photo looked like, you know, like what does it look like, you know, and, and what, how to, not how to make it, but just like, what is, what is it, you know, like yeah. what is different about like this photo versus this amazing photo. And I had some really pivotal moments when I was younger. Like I, I got to go to Ansel Adams um, dark room and see this like giant, um, just giant, giant, giant place where he was just making these monster photographs. Like, and I met his wife and it was hanging, these photos were hanging on the wall. And I was like, damn, this is amazing, you know? And, um, and, and so I, I was involved with photography for a while. And then I ended up kind of like got in, I really got into like storytelling and, um, and then I went to school and blah, blah, blah. And then I get out of school and, um, and I was like, you know what? Like, I think I can, I think I can take photos. Like, I think I could take some photos and make some money. <laughs> I think I could do this, you know? Cause I, I always thought it was like the coolest thing. I didn't, I didn't think I was like cool enough. Actually, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of really what it is. I never like, I always, I, I just was never cool enough to do it. Cause I like one of my favorite movies is called the killing fields. It's about the Cambodian Cambodian war. And it's just, it's just an amazing film. It's just a, just a heart, like a total tearjerker. Like it'll yeah. show you. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's I have just, it. You should see that. It's 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 one of my favorite films, and it's about a journalist and a photographer and um, their uh, their guide essentially. And it's about the guide story, and it's a true story, and and it's just a tearjerker. Well, I always thought the photographer was so cool. They always like put they always like make the photographer look really cool. You know, it's like the guy running around with the cameras around his neck. And so I was like, man, I I, I can never, I don't know, you know. And I never had, and honestly, I never had the balls to be a war photographer. You know, yeah. I never. But, but I wanted to be in action, but I never, never had the balls or like the commitment to like, cause you know, I've thought about it. And, um, and I, there was a few times in my life where I could have, could have gone, um, I got offered a job to go to Syria and film in the refugee camps. And I've, I've, I've been kind of on that line and my background is in journalism. So I have a, I went to school for journalism and, um, Anyways, I was always into like video and stuff, all this stuff. Anyway, yeah. so, so it all started kind of happening. And um, I started out shooting kind of fine art, um, high altitude, like panoramics, because um, I was climbing mountains a lot and I was really into climbing and and I was shooting these panoramics and I started selling them as fine art. And I was like, wow, I'm like, I'm making it. And I was like, yeah. starving. I was basically living out of my truck. Um, and I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta step it up a notch. And I saw this opportunity because I understood how to like operate video camera. I could just, un I understood how to like make it happen. And so I, I was living in San Francisco in an art studio uh, with no shower and no bathroom. And I, it was just a couch and a projector that I could show clients the films they were working on. And I lived, I lived, it was on market and goth, like right downtown. And it was just straight hood. And I started my business there. And at first my business was called Adventure Refugee because I was always on these adventures. But when I was working, I was like, like I was a refugee away from where, where I really wanted to be. Yeah just in front of the computer grinding. Right. So that was where it was at first. So I was pulling jobs off Craigslist. I mean, I was in the trenches, like in the gutter and I, and I built a client base and I just, I worked really hard to like, and I made a ton of mistakes. Yeah. I made so many mistakes <clears throat> and, and just dropped the ball so much. Um, 
and I learned from those mistakes and, and just kept getting better, I guess. Let me ask you this, like when you make them, cause I'm trying to teach my students this, like when you make a mistake, we know like, and even to this day for me, I'm like, I'm such a proponent of like, try if you make mistakes, that's fine. But then when I make my own mistakes, sometimes you just are like, God, why did I make that? Like, yeah. how did you get yeah. over that feeling to like, realize like, Hey, there are lessons to be learned from these. Um, I, I think that I, well, my first reaction is I haven't really gotten over them. And I think that's, that's really what reminds me not to do them again. There you, there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've made some pretty bad ones. And so uh, I think at this point I'm like, Ooh, like, yeah, like I remember that one and it didn't feel great. It still doesn't feel great. You know? So um, yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, some of them is it's just quick thinking, right? Like you make a mistake and, and how you can rectify it is like by being creative and, and overcoming it. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and solving the actual situation at hand, right. You make a mistake, you forget something, something malfunctions, uh, your interaction with somebody isn't smooth or great or, or however it is like, um, the expectations weren't right, you know, or the visions don't match. There's, there's a myriad of like things that could potentially be, yeah. Um, and in this world, it's, it's a lot about vision, like what people envision things to be, because everybody has a perspective and an idea and I'm trying to interpret that. Right. So that's a really big pitfall. And so some of it is just about understanding, understanding kind of like getting to know somebody and being like, I, I, this is what I think your vision is, you okay. know, and, and trying to like, to, to dig it out of them, to divulge, like figure it out, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think, some of mine, like some, I guess some of my biggest, some of my biggest ones weren't correctable. Um, and that's what makes them so memorable. Right. So I wasn't able to overcome them and, and therefore I won't ever do that again because there was no fix. Yeah. Um, I remember one specifically, it was, um, it was a really a time to shine. I was shooting, um, a talk with Jim Baylog who, um, made an amazing series of, uh, films about the glaciers melting in Greenland and Iceland um, and, and just use these uh, DSLRs to shoot these incredible time lapses of the glaciers just just receding 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 over many years and um, you know from an outdoor perspective and from uh, from from my perspective like that's just that's driven work like that is just like something that you know being being a part just being around it is is really amazing because um, this is, this is something with vision. This is, this is artistry and voice and yeah. things that we need to talk about. And, and visually it's just really impactful because no one had done it. And like, you could really see like the effects of climate change on these, on these ancient glaciers. Right. And for back of the letter phrase, I totally fucked it up. <laughs> I totally <laughs> fucked it up. And I, uh, I, uh, I had a, uh, yeah. Anyways, there was an audio problem and I couldn't fix it. Cause he was on the stage. It's not like, I'm going to run up on the stage and fix it. And I, I just couldn't do anything. Oh, so you had to sit there in the moment knowing yeah, you messed up. Yeah, oh, dude. And it was so bad, man. Like it was so bad that it was so bad that I've never made that mistake again. And it haunts me to this day. Cause I still think about it. Like that was the first one I thought of because I'm like that. That was terrible. Um, and it was nothing I could do about it. And I could never rectify it. Anyway, so the audio of the video that I made 
like had these cracks and pops in it and stuff. It was, you oh. know, it was because there was a malfunction with the, um, with the audio deck and I couldn't fix it. Oh man. So, anyways, long story short, um, or long story long. Um, <laughs> we just sent, yeah, essentially like with the mistakes that I've made, you know, I, I guess just to wrap back to that, it's like some people ask like, Oh, how, how did you build your career? How did you, how did you like stay in this business? How did you, you know, how did you travel or get to do what you wanted? And it was really about attrition. It was really attrition because when I was in my early twenties, there was a lot of people doing this and there was a lot yeah. of people who had this business or this business idea or, or whatever. And, um, and people just slowly started falling off and I'm just, I'm kind of like hard headed, and I just like, you know, I just stuck to it. Um, and I also just had an amazing community around me of people that, that helped me. Um, that like, they just saw whatever my strengths were or are, and just, just like put me in the right place, you know, and, and, and that's been amazing. And I've definitely done jobs where I'm not in the right place. Like, like I, in, in, in saying this, like I have like basically two rules and this, this sounds like pretty harsh, uh, or, or crass, I guess. I don't know what the right word is, but I just, I don't do weddings and I don't do porn. And those are the two things that I won't do. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's kind of a funny thing. It sounds terrible, but like, I, I, I basically shot everything else, but those two things. Cause I know that I'm not a cheerleader and the other one, I just don't want to be involved in. So like, you know, I'm just, I'm not a big, my personality is not like, Hey, everybody pose. Like, let's get in here. My Dude. personality is more like I'm hanging back and like, I'm watching it go down and I'm filming it. And I'm like, I'm there with you. Like I'm embedded. And he's like, talking about the weddings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The weddings. Yeah. So anyways, um, I shot some weddings and they turned out horrible. Dude, you told me one story, man, where you said, uh, <laughs> everyone all the all the footage came back and they were like everyone looks like so mad and you're like yeah that's how the wedding was <laughs> yeah like that yeah, was, just, that was, was yeah moment. that's the one that got me that was the end that was the end of weddings i shot like three or four weddings i can't even remember now it was so long ago but i remember somebody was like man you could shoot weddings like you can make a ton of money doing that and i'm like cool like that sounds great you know like partying weddings like it's awesome and then I shot this one wedding where I was just like, the photos came back and everybody was just like super unhappy. And, um, and it showed in the photos. Cause like, I think at the heart of it, like, I'm just, I'm capturing what is happening. Not necessarily <laughs> like what, what, like, you know, I'm just happy. I'm just happy to capture what's happening, but I'm not, I'm, and I'm absolutely terrible at being like, let's smile. Like everybody's having fun, you know, like, woo. I'm not that guy. And, and, and I know that about myself, especially after this particular circumstance. So I'm like, all right, that's like enough of that. Um, why didn't we all look happy at our wedding? Yeah, why man? don't we all, why aren't we all smiling at the time of our lives? It's yeah. like, well, you weren't. So, you know, um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think photography and film and, and, and kind of outdoor media is really changing a lot. Um, yeah. Also, you know, it's, it's, we're having a lot more um, of voice coming from all different angles and all different mediums and, and media. It's like, I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day where it's like, you know, if you're, if you're swiping through Instagram, it's like amazing photo, amazing photo, amazing story, amazing photo. And it's like, kind of desensitized to these amazing photos because like 20 years ago if i would have seen some of these photos i would have been or like even 10 or five years ago yeah. like wow like they like this is amazing 
And um, I think for us that have kind of been in the game or, or whatever it is for a long time, we're, we're seeing kind of the, the overabundance of it and the devaluation of it essentially, because there's folks out there working super hard to get this stuff done. And um, I'm not sure that people understand the difficulty in some of this creative process. Um, and, and I think, you know, part of it is just kind of this influencer kind of outdoor influencer thing. And, and, and also companies are just like less, they value content less. Um, and like, if you don't, now it's like, you got to be in this night. Now you got to be like a social media professional with like, you know, 500,000 followers or 300,000 followers. And you have to be a commercial photographer and you have to be this other thing to like, to, to get these high profile contracts. And yeah. then, um, it's, it's just, it's a really interesting time for content because it's just so much of it. There's so much of it, man. It's yeah. overwhelming. Like I'll go on and try to figure out what I want to watch. Even like outdoor adventure, like short films or documentaries. I'm like, I'll go on YouTube and I'm like, there's so much of it. I don't even know what to, what to go and watch anymore. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other part of that, and this has been really affecting me lately is just like the impact on on the environment the impact on the trailheads the impact on the trails the impact on the animals um i i've gone through these weird stages with with kind of um environmentalism and and um conservation and i think you know as an avid user of the outdoors and, and kind of like you know on, on many kind of forms of of recreation um you know, my mind has just changed so much over time. And like, I've gone from like, bikes need to be in wilderness to, to bikes don't need to be in wilderness and, yeah. and need to be, you know, and I was really infected by this one guy who used to be a surveyor for the forest service. And he, he told me, he's like, you know, as much as I think, you know, bikes could potentially be allowed in wilderness and they would have less impact. It's just the encroachment. Like there's just so, there's just so much stuff just abutting like getting buttressed up against the wilderness areas and it's just like we just need places that just aren't impacted yeah they're just natural you know like it's it's a um you know just people being there at all is because they were just never there before and now people are in there you know people have tons of time off and they're they're just in there doing you know whatever they enjoy and and that's great and i want people to enjoy the outdoors because it gives them respect but there are places that that just maybe need to be protected, you know, yeah. and and now we're just seeing it, just the influx, especially here in Colorado, right? I, I can't say that I've been here forever. I'm kind of new to Colorado, but but you can see kind of in the high country just the the massive uptick in overall users, and and the effect that it's having, you know, and um and I've seen it firsthand in a couple different areas that I just absolutely love, and now it's just like they're kind of destroyed. Yeah. Well, I mean, you see it with the forest fires. I mean, that's just like a perfect example. Like a most, I, I don't know. I don't know the stats, but like, I'm assuming a lot of them are caught like man-made. Yeah, they are. I mean, I, I'm not sure that they like this, the Caldor fire that was in near South Lake Tahoe, which is, is where I'm from. Yeah. And, and I'm from that area and, you know, that fire, my brother and um, his daughters were evacuated and his wife, their family was evacuated from south lake tahoe and 
um, you know, friends and family that live up there, people I care about, and um, and just the community in general that I've been associated with so long. And and uh, Tamba, the trail, the mountain bike, um, the mountain bike alliance there is, you know, the the trails they've been working on for like thirty years are, you know, got destroyed, and a lot of them, you know, so we're we're at i mean we're definitely in this like super critical like there's no doubt that we're just like in this it's critical like this is the earth in the icu kind of thing and we're just like continuing on and and obviously that's a huge topic that we can continue to talk about for the entire rest of the time but uh but i think these wildfires are just i mean it's just it's just i knew it was going to happen i knew that there was going to be a big burn just because the forest there is so dry the trees are so big you know, so much fuel available. Um, it was just a matter of time. I just didn't think it would happen so fast. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, it just took me by surprise. It's like, oh, it's burning into South Lake. Like, dude, it wow. was, it, yeah, it was wild just looking at the photos of that. And yeah, it was nuts. Those are the places I grew up climbing. Yeah, know? man. Like Lover's Leap, Phantom Spires. Like these are places where I learned how to rock climb. Well, and it's weird to have like almost like a grieving process for like a place. You're like, oh, like this is a yeah. place that was meaningful to me and now it's like completely burned out, you know? Oh, I totally had, I totally had like onset depression from it. And like, I mean, I literally woke up one morning here in Colorado. I live, I live up in the high Rockies and walked out and there was just smoke in the air. And I'm like, wow, I'm breathing like this smoke from my hometown, like states away. That's and crazy. I mean, that's a super depressing kind of reality that we're facing. And, um, you know, we have, an absolute lack of leadership and 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 political willpower to do anything about it in the short term which is what needs to happen and so you know it's 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 kind of untenable right now it's just not like a it's it's something that's just needs to be addressed and i feel like um yeah i just just one more like kind of larger thought on it is that you know like capitalism and consumerism are really driving driving all of the uh, environmental environmental degradation because of the just the amount we're forced to consume like our whole we as a society and as an economy it's all based on consumption yeah if we stopped consuming our economy would collapse and we have to consume more than we did yesterday every day and the day before that and the day before that to have an expansion or we're in a recession and that's the way that capitalism works. And like, if we're in a recession, it's harder to get money to like buy bigger houses and to buy more cars and to like re-up this and to go to Whole Foods and to like buy Mountain Hardware and North Face and Patagonia and do whatever we need to do to feel comfortable in our lives as a recession takes place. So it's a fundamental problem. Climate and capitalism are diametrically opposed because they're based on consuming. Yeah. So we're in a really we're in a conundrum we're in a very harsh state because it will be very hard to reduce our comforts to address something that's killing us yeah and and i mean that's that's the fundamental process of like what we need to do and i mean yeah it's a it's it's super complicated and it's like what do you do like Dude, it makes me want to just be like, you know, the big Lebowski where he's like, dude, let's just go bowling or whatever. <laughs> it's just like as like an outdoors person, it's hard because you're like, what do I don't even know? Like, what are some steps I could take or like where I could figure out ways to help out? And then you're like, I'm just going running, you know, like 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, one of the you know, one of the things Megan and I, you know, we have a baby now. His name's Cohen, he's nine months old and he's the he's cutest awesome. baby I've ever seen, I think. <laughs> he's cute. Yeah, he's 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 really cute. And I, you know, I at some point we gotta stop saying it because he's gonna get his he's head gonna... already. So we don't need it to get any bigger. Um yeah, we just gotta stop saying that. So you can help me out. I'm just gonna start today. Uh anyway, so um one of the things you know with babies is that you just like there's just so much consumption right like it's just yeah we're just like watching it and just being like we gotta yep. be very careful here you know like this is this is a slippery slope and we could buy all the stuff and it's like do we even need it and blah 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 and it's like babies were fine with like you know animal skin and like they made it you know what i mean and yeah. so um so there's that part of the thing but just the overall i think the major thing that that people can do in general is just for from my perspective is like um utilize public resources and don't buy plastic and <laughs> i mean just like just reduce your plastic just yeah. just reduce the plastic as much as you can because that stuff um it's you'd be surprised like yeah your car it's making you know carbon dioxide and and you know whatever else into the atmosphere and that's terrible and but you know but it's kind of fundamental to like keeping your family alive and doing whatever but if you can reduce your overall uh, plastic consumption and just buy like glass recycle as much as you can do things like that although some recycling is kind of a myth at this point but like that's why just reducing consumption yeah. is this way you know yeah so anyways man man i it's it's hard when you like it's just a heavy topic to even kind of think about you know yeah it's it's heavy and i think that it's I, I, you know, as soon as I start thinking about heavy, how heavy it is, I start thinking about people in, in the Pacific ocean that their islands are literally disappearing. And I think about how yeah. heavy that is. That's um, what, yeah. And I, or I think about the people, the, the, I think about, um, the animal populations that are being affected both in the ocean and on, on land. And I think about all these different, um, all these different, uh, you know, potential, you know, catastrophes that are just happening all over the world, you know what I see? And I'm like, thinking about how heavy that is. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need this. I don't need this like plastic thing or I don't need yeah. this or that. And I'm like a total gear junkie. So it's like a lot of kind of, it's kind of like tall order coming from me, but like still, you know, yeah. I like, I like to at least try and express it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so for sure. It, it, as long as I'm convincing myself, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's, if I keep telling myself, then I'll keep re reducing well then you'll keep being aware of it you know what i mean i think a lot yeah. of it's just awareness and not getting in just like you're like if you just go in mindless mode yeah you're going to end up probably you know consuming way more you know yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. dude i gotta exactly. hear about like bandaloop i want to hear more about that a little bit <laughs> did i say that right yeah yeah bandaloop yeah yeah so bandaloop yeah bandaloop.org project bandaloop you can look it up however which way but it's a dance company based in oakland um it's a team of amazing artists um and just an eclectic company of of folks um and uh, um their kind of mission is to bring dance all over the world and they hang from skyscrapers and cliffs and buildings and um towers and cranes and i mean anything that, like water towers and any anything that kind of like you can hang from and you can like swing and get your feet on something they're gonna twist and rotate and dance and 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 have an expression of life 
and it's really really beautiful thing to watch and i'm i'm lucky enough to have been a part of it and to have shot um, photos and video with them for many years now and made some amazing friends um and uh we there was a while where we were on just an absolute terror shooting all over the world and um so we shot in china, china several times uh in africa um scandinavia many times in the u.s and um yeah we've just hung off some amazing cliffs and took some amazing photos and and i guess there's two kind of i have a lot a lot of stories um about kind of some cool stuff that we've done but um but one of them is uh right when the pandemic hit i was in new york shooting with in manhattan right downtown hudson yard um on the highest building in the Western Hemisphere, hanging from the very top of it, like the actual pinnacle of it, with the riggers and the crew shooting down at um, at the edge, which is like this uh, restaurant kind of thing where they built this kind of sky, I don't know, like a sky terrace. I don't know yeah. that's what you call it. Um, and we're shooting up there and it's just like, you're above everything. Like you see the entire city and you're not only just like above it and you see like the rooftops, you're like above it, like you're in a helicopter, like shooting down. And we just got some amazing photographs and um and it was just it was really cool but it was also like we didn't know about covid we didn't know like what it was no one even owned masks it was yeah. like it was literally on like march 10th wow and then there were and i jumped a flight like a day early to come back because the national guard was going into chelsea and it was like this crazy experience and like I was terrified like i i wanted to get out of there because i just didn't know i had been reading the news and i had been kind of like knowing that this virus potentially could become a pandemic and we didn't know that it was in the united states yet and all of a sudden it like happened when i was in new york yeah like, you know i was like it's gonna be like 28 days later like i gotta get out of here you know like <laughs> this is sketchy um and so i jumped out of there and 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 it and you know here we are now but um i think another another kind of crazy experience um we shot a segment of a film called woman um and we were in dallas uh shooting on a creative a building there and kind of the creative creative arts um center and um i got to kind of direct a unit uh on the wall and and for this documentary and you should check out the documentary it's pretty amazing um Writing it down yeah it's it's uh it's cool and, and the the portion of it that I directed hanging on the wall was with one of the um, dancers, Jessica Swanson and um, and Roel Sieber and the two these these are two amazing people. Um, and we were hanging there on the wall and just having this conversation about what it means to be a woman with Jessica and and like where the heritage that she comes from. And it was just like one of those moments like we had out in the desert, you know, we're just like hanging on this wall. <laughs> like you know hundreds of feet up talking about what it means to be you know a human yeah and it was like it, it's so cool and she just like it I'll kind of like line it up so we were we're I'm leaning against the wall kind of looking at her with the camera and she's and Roel are Jessica and Roel are standing against the wall and they're kind of extended on the rope so they're leaning into me but as 
as we're talking and as she's thinking about it, you can see the emotion of her face. And then she just swings away from the, <laughs> from the, the camera. And it's like, it, and it may not come across in the film and it may not come across in the video, but for me, it was like, oh God, like that's what it is right there. You know, and that's one of those points you just can't really like, you can't like say it. You can't like, yeah. you know, there's just no way to like make it. You know, it's just that, that was it. Um, anyways, yeah, we, we, as a team, were able to do a lot of cool stuff and I'm really happy, I'm really happy to have had that experience. Yeah. That's amazing. I, so kind of to like wrap up, like the perspective, man, just from you doing this for so long where you get to meet all these different people, people are opening up about their stories, you know, to you. Like, how has that affected your perspective just on life in general? You know, that's an excellent question. That's, um, that's an excellent question. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'll take a second to, to, to lay this out because it has been a journey, um, in a couple of different ways. I went to school in San Francisco and I, I, um, I would consider myself like a liberal through and through. Um, but ideologically I, uh, yeah, quite liberal, went to a liberal arts school, just, just thinking about ways that, you know, in an idealistic world, the way that things would be. As you start to travel around the world and you see how humans are or how they can be in other cultures or what we're facing or kind of like what um, other ideologies cause or what lies cause or, or like what world we're living in, this kind of like post-factual world, um, and, and being in like the slum of Lima or like in Kathmandu or India or Africa or China and understanding what people are actually facing on the ground, you start to really like change your mindset. And I slowly, I guess the reason I brought up the San Francisco liberal thing is that I've, I've also been like changing my environment a lot. Like I was, <clears throat> I lived in California for many years and then I moved up to Wyoming and now I'm in Colorado. And what I've realized is that, you know, in the United States, we're basically being told two different stories. We're, we're being fed two different trains of thought. And, and as we become more trained, we, we become more at odds with each other. And when I go to these other places, you realize that all of that's suspended. It's all suspended and that the people are just trying to survive. Yeah. And, um, and what they're facing and the odds and, and just the overall complexity of the world, the complexity of communities and societies and solving these issues and solving homelessness and hunger and child hunger and, um, you know, vaccinations and, and just this, this huge dilemma that we have as human beings in separate societies and separate governments and separate. So, so I think as you start to like go to these places and, and one of the most fortunate things and one of the most grateful things I am for is that I didn't visit these places as a tourist. Yeah. I got to work with the people on the ground and to shake hands and rappel on ropes and, and understand people's cultures and have them invite us as a team and, and me as a person into their homes, into their way of lives, into their restaurants, meet their parents, meet their wives, meet their children, um, 
you know, we, we've worked in Saudi Arabia. Um, we've worked in, we've worked in some environments that, um, the way that the media perceives or that our society or the propaganda is against some of these places that I've visited. And then you get there and it's totally opposite. You realize the impact of our culture on the way that we perceive other people's cultures in a very, very powerful way. And I think that's like, that's probably the most powerful experience that I've had. And I have like all these like you know, anecdotes about how, like, I was just stunned at, like, stunned at the kindness and how simple interactions can be yeah. coming from here, where, like, I feel like we have to be constantly protected or protective of both our kind of, like, personal selves, our families, our belongings. You know, the U.S. society is not exactly all it's cracked up to be. And we could really take some cues from other other cultures yeah well we even have to be protective from like how we're actually feeling sometimes too where it's like hey how's your day going oh it's good or you know like you're like not yeah yeah we're doing okay and you're like what does okay mean i don't understand like why are we why are we not just completely opening up to each other and like being honest in that sense yeah yeah i think it's it's uh this world we're living in is um is quite interesting i I feel like, uh, you know, I, I think for me personally, I, I've been I've been kind of going through a process of, I've been lucky enough to kind of have a full time contract working, so I haven't had to like sell myself in the last few months, and that's yeah. been kind of nice. It's been kind of nice to be, you know, just working and just kind of not not so much just focused on my family and and having a little reprieve from being a freelancer in the. Uh, in the in the post-covid world or or you know in the covid world and um so that's been really nice but at the same time it's also been nice to really realize that you know the projects that i really like and want to be a part of are stories and and that that have this feeling that have this thing and they don't come along all the time and you can't just create them you have to have like desert rats or you have to have fkt trips or you have to have this crew of band loop and you have to have like you know suffering and you have to have time and you have to have character and you have to have people that are willing to go there you know you have to have all these ingredients to make something that's truly like that people can feel or that you can say something and you can say something about all the things that we talked about on this podcast or you know like there's a lot to say and and what I realized is that like I just I for the last several many many years is I've been focused on saying very little things on Instagram or Facebook or this or that, or just trying to catch attention or whatever it is. And the reality is this, that's just not me. Yeah. I'd rather talk deeply about something else, like something deeper or an experience or, or have an experience and then try and relay that to somebody. And I think we're seeing kind of like the death of that and maybe the rebirth of it because we're, we're seeing the death of all these magazines and editorial and, and kind of like conceptual audiences where you can where you can give a story that's longer right like and and at the same time maybe people are are disconnecting in a way to try and find something deeper and 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 healthier for their mind to latch onto and something they can relate to and maybe that's part of COVID happening and people have maybe a, a a taste and a desire to kind of to delve deeper even if it's even less right because it's about consumption 
it's like maybe you consume less, but what you're consuming is 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 going to make you feel a certain way, or or love, or laugh, or whatever it's going to be. So I think that that's like a a critical time for for us as a culture. Yeah, yeah man, dude, I think that's a perfect place to wrap it. But I want to, can you please come back on at some point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't even talk about your. You have some incredible stories. You have a broken leg story that is like the most <laughs> epic thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, but yeah, man, I would love to chat with you and, you know, obviously I'll be up in the mountains at some point and we'll go adventure in at some point. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I definitely have some more stories for you and some treasure hunting stories and some, some near treasure hunting. (laughs) Yeah. Some treasure hunting. Oh my God. The next (laughs) one. I got some crazy stories. We got, I got some near death ones. I've got some Provost falls. I've got some, I've got some good ones. You got mosquitoes. You told me mosquitoes, yeah, mosquitoes that I yeah, can get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a, we got a, we got a lot. We got a, a bunch of stories that we can hand. We can. Oh, dude, that was like, well, around. that's like a cliffhanger right there. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> All right, man. We'll we'll catch back up with you at some point. All right, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> All right, man. We'll catch you up. That wraps up this week's episode of the show. Um, Thank you so much, James, for coming on. That was a blast. Uh, You can check out all of his stuff at dropmedia.tv. And you know what, man? Like, we recorded this last week, I want to say. But James gave me a lot to think about um, over a lot of these ideas and concepts, um, whether that be creativity or environmentalism or um just the ways you're kind of choosing to live your life uh which was really really appreciated like i honestly truly can say i've been going over some of these ideas in my head since we talked for the podcast and um I just, I just really appreciate the guy. So, uh, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation when we have him back on the dude is like, seriously, like, uh, a book of amazing adventure stories. And we didn't get into a lot of that stuff. So I'm super psyched. He has some stories that are probably the craziest things that I've heard. (laughs) Some of the craziest, like gnarliest stuff that I've ever heard, uh, he definitely has stories about. So I'm excited to, to chat with him again and and all of that. Um, yeah, check out Fastest for Now. Me and my kids, we set up, uh, we have a little outdoor projector, but I texted James because we set it up in the garage. Uh, we pulled like chairs, like a little toy car, like we made it look like a drive-in and we went and watched uh, watched his film and I don't know. There's something for me about showing my daughters these adventure films with with people just out there chasing their passions and showing them like the re- like the ups and downs along the way and the ups and downs of the journey and that obstacles, you know, while inconvenient can also lead you to these amazing places. And I think this film really captures that idea. Um you know, you can go back and listen to my ep- my episode with Kate um, about this event of setting the FKT on the Cocopelli. But once you dive into kind of her history and the two years that she had leading up to that, 
it, and you see it, you know, you see it in the visual form, like it is, it is a powerful thing. Uh, my kids were, were, were really, you know, inspired by it, you know, and the, I don't think they could put it in those terms yet. Like, they're all like my oldest is in second grade I don't think she could be like that inspires me um but you could just see it in her eyes and like her curiosity she was asking questions like you know like why why is she why is she happy but she's crying and like all of this stuff and like you know how long has she been going and like how can she push through and all of that and I just I I really I really thought a lot about the idea of sort of the amount of effort and energy that goes into an artistic project, um, whether that be a film like what James has, you know, helped put together um, or whether that be like a novel or a piece of music or something people just put their time and energy in. Uh, I think you somehow feel that when you're listening to a song that people have worked on for hours and hours or days and days, more likely, um, or you're watching a film that's taken years to come out. I think you feel that and you gain like a certain sort of respect for it. And I think those allow you to kind of access these deeper emotions. You know, like I've definitely uh teared up at many a film <laughs> many a film uh probably too many where i'm just sitting there crying my wife's like why are you crying at you know another you know kids animated movie i'm like it's touched my soul um <laughs> but those those things those pieces of art like they allow you to access these emotions which is so cool um it it does seem like now it's so easy for people to put stuff out there and express their feelings and express their emotions. And I'm thinking of things like social media um, or like, you know, dare I say, as a middle school teacher, TikTok, never seen it. It's caused a lot of issues this year. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just keep it at that. Um, but when you when you see those things, it is people expressing themselves, which is good. Like I, I like that. And I like the fact that everyone has access to be able to express themselves in different ways. But those things, they don't have the time. They don't have the energy put behind them. You know, if I go on and make an Instagram post that that doesn't, you know, that doesn't take nearly the amount of effort as doing one of these podcasts does, which doesn't take nearly as many as much effort as you know trying to put together a film like we're trying to do um and there's just these levels these layers and to me it's a little disconcerting when there's so much emphasis on this really quick like quick fix you know forms of expression where it's like man i i I've never teared up at an Instagram post. You know what I mean? Like I've, it's never like touched me at that deep of a level. It's, it's that quick thing. We're like, Whoa, that's super cool. Like that's a pretty picture. Like, you know, it's that quick thing in your brain, but it's never like fully let me access my emotions. And I don't know. I just think it's almost like emotional 
it can be, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself. So if I'm just speaking for myself, dude, then I'm just a dude talking about his own experience here. Um, but it can be this like, almost like a way to avoid emotions, you know, like it makes you like less, like more numb to the world, even though it's like a beautiful picture or whatever. You're just like, Oh cool. Here's another beautiful picture. Oh cool. Here's another beautiful picture. You know, like you're not actually like going out and experiencing that. Um, and it's this conversation with James just kind of made me think a lot about that because I've personally never gone through like something that took a whole bunch of creativity, collaboration, like artistic expression before, uh, you know, teaming up with, with James and Paul and Josh and Chris and Thomas, like all those guys that helped. And of course, all the racers and all the, the staff, like everyone who was involved with us going out and filming and now us going in and editing, uh, the, the story together, like I've never been involved that collaboration on that level. And now I see like just how much energy and effort it takes behind that. But it's like this excitable energy. Like it's awesome. Like you're just so excited every single day or every single conversation that you have about it. Um, and then you just probably come on this podcast and talk about it way too much. Um, but <laughs> it's because you're jacked up. It's you're, you're excited. Um, and I just think like, I think there's like a really effective like human experience that if you're only on you know like us the internet you know or like if you're only like just clicking through stuff or scrolling through stuff you're missing what art is really trying to do you're missing this like deeper level it's trying to like provoke in you um and I don't know. It just made me think a lot, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys listening to the show. Um, go out, like I said, check out Fastest for Now. Check out all of James's stuff he's worked on. He's amazing. He's a good dude. Uh, but yeah, guys, we'll get back at you next week.